Are we ready to open next month? I think so. You think so? Well, it's complicated. Fire protection, first aid supplies, uniforms, safety training, mat services. Oh, and restroom supplies. So uncomplicated. Call Centos. They'll handle all of it. Wow. One company can handle all that? That's not very complicated. So, you'll be ready? Oh, we'll be ready. Oh, I'm ready! Learn how Centos can help you get ready for the workday. Visit Centos.com. we go time for your locked on pistons podcast this is your host matt shook live from the royal oak studios here on inglewood avenue this is the podcast for tuesday october 24th and i want to thank everyone first of all for listening i've been pleasantly surprised with the numbers of downloads and listens that we're getting and if you like what you're hearing do me a favor and tell the pistons fan in your life about us we're here four or five times a week on the Locked On Pistons podcast, mostly on weekday mornings, but I want to put this one out there on Tuesday night as, I'm sorry, on Monday night after the Pistons lost to the Philadelphia 76ers as I'm here in Detroit and was at the game. So uh, first of all, I want you to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Amazon, Alexa, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. you can find us here on Locked On Pistons, and also be sure to rate the podcast on iTunes, <clears throat> five stars, <clears throat> and that helps uh, the placement and gets us in front of a bunch of earballs as well as we're trying to grow this as as well as we can throughout the season. So again, thanks for everyone for listening, and it means a lot, and uh, hopefully you'll stay with us throughout the season and into the offseason as well. I'm here in the Motor City, and it was a big day in Detroit for the Pistons. I attended the groundbreaking for the new Pistons practice facility, which is going to be called the Henry Ford Detroit Pistons Performance Center in the new center area in, in Detroit. So I sat in the back a little bit and noticed what was going on. A lot of dignitaries from the Henry Ford Health System along with the Pistons organization past and future as well. Uh, I have some thoughts to pass along about Little Caesars Arena, the practice facility, and some thoughts about the overall move to the city of Detroit and all that's kind of entailed and what it could mean as Detroit enters its or continues its renaissance period, so to speak. But today's, that's going to have to wait till. uh, Tomorrow's podcast, we're going to do a lot of that on Wednesday's podcast. But for tonight, we're going to talk about the game, basketball action. The 97-86 to loss to the desperate Philadelphia 76ers who came in 0-3, taking on the Pistons. Again, like I said yesterday, this is one of those games that we kind of circle in red as it's against an Eastern Conference team that is kind of relevant to the playoff picture. We all kind of figure the Pistons aren't in that top three or four group and they're certainly not in that bottom three or four group. Where they are in between those will be remains to be seen throughout the winter, but when you're playing one of those teams that is also in that group, we kind of maybe put a little bit more weight on those games. As a, a win for the Pistons is also a loss for that team and vice versa. So maybe it's a, a 1.5 type of you know importance in that game. So one of the, you don't want to lose those ones, and the Pistons did just that, fall into 2-2 two and two on the season. So we're going to talk about that today. I got some thoughts on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, two future stars. If they're not already stars, they're getting there and they're going to be there very quickly. Triple-double for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid 
had his way with Andre Drummond throughout the night. Also got some thoughts on Stanley Johnson, who's having a horrendous season so far. And just kind of some overall thoughts about the Pistons as a team and, and kind of where things stand. Tobias Harris stood out. Langston Galloway stood out for other reasons, good and bad. And then just some other general thoughts about where this team's at right now. No reason to panic or be too excited. You know, we're trying not to make this a roller coaster of emotions throughout the podcast here. Get too up about wins and too down about losses. As that can be early, easy to do early on in the season. Maybe I did that a little yesterday, invoking the thoughts that this Pistons team, who knows, maybe could creep it up to that top four in the East if things go well and kind of go on some runs, especially early on in the season. But we saw some doldrums offensively today. And even more concerning was some of the problems that the team had defensively. And obviously you, you know that that's something that Stan Van Gundy's not going to take lightly as his teams are always known for being strong defensively, even though maybe the offense isn't there at times as much as he wants it to be. So a lot to cover here on the podcast today. So possibly in honor of Rip Hamilton, who is from Coatesville, Pennsylvania, we're going to talk a little bit about his team, the Philadelphia 76ers. I think it's kind of relevant for Pistons fans to know all they can about the 76ers right now, if only because they're a little bit of a lightning rod of a team these last couple of years, and a team that, as an Eastern Conference young team, the Pistons themselves, they're going to have to deal with the 76ers for many years down the road as they're set up with some really good young players They tanked for several years and then used a lot of those high draft picks on projects to ensure that they would stay in the basement of the NBA so they'd get more picks and kind of rebuild with asset after asset after asset. Sam Hinkie was the general manager at the time and had the idea, well, not not that it was an original idea, but had the the go-ahead from ownership to go ahead with being, you know, bad for several years and, and finishing, you know, towards the bottom of the NBA, stockpiling assets. Drafting guys like Joel Embiid, who everyone knew was injured and might miss at least a season, ended up missing a couple seasons. They drafted Nerlens Noel, who has since been traded by the team, but they drafted him knowing he was hurt and possibly going to miss his entire rookie season, or first season, I should say, in the NBA. And then they knew, drafting Dario Saric, that he wasn't going to be able to come over from Europe right away. So it was a team that had a long, long, long-term plan, and Sam Hinkie regarded you know, in some corners of NBA circles as a, as a genius and by others as kind of a guy who was keeping his job in the long term by selling, you know, a bill of goods of a, of a, of a plan down the road that had no, you know, guarantee of working and taking risks on the Embiid, the Embiid type players. But, you know, to his credit, this has shown itself to be working so far. He was kind of forced out by the league last year and as Brian Colangelo kind of took over as he was placed there by the league, uh, they kind of uh, made that move happen and then led to the league taking some taking those uh, measures this offseason with the anti-tanking rules to kind of have make sure that this process of tanking year after year isn't repeated as it was kind of a, a tough stretch for Philadelphia fans and, and the NBA in, in general was obviously when, when that horrible team came into town, there wasn't a lot of interest with the home teams and just wasn't a good brand of basketball that was being put out by the 76ers year after year recently. So, but now, you know, some of the fruits of that process are beginning to show. You got Ben Simmons out there who was drafted first, not this past year, but the year before that, but missed his entire rookie season in a very Sam Hinkie pleasing type of maneuver. He, he actually injured, he broke his foot during the training camp. So that wasn't like he was drafted with the intention of being stashed like Embiid, Saric, and Noel were, 
when they were drafted. But he Simmons ended up, like I said, breaking his foot. But, you know, towards the end of last season, there was a famous video of him warming up before uh, several hours before one of the games in the spring that he kind of did one of those dunks off of the broken foot with between his legs and made some fans and some NBA people think that maybe he was going to come back toward the end of last season and start playing, but that ended up not happening probably wisely by the organization as there was nothing left to play for, for Philly at the end of last season. Um, Simmons, you know, his, he was on Montverde, the, the high school team. He grew up in Melbourne. His dad was a professional player in Australia, although he was an American playing over there. And while playing professionally, he married an Australian woman and had Ben uh, as a son. And, and Ben grew up playing Australian rules football and also basketball. As a youngster, he had the big growth spurt. Now he's a 6'10 guy who's got really good foot skills. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's a kind of a point guard, actually, for Philly now. I saw him play a few times in high school as he played for Montverde at the Tournament of Champions when I was covering high school sports in Springfield, Missouri. It was the highlight of the year to have a lot of those national teams like Oak Hill Academy, Montverde, and some of the other teams that play national schedules come in and play a nice, really cool big uh, high school tournament that Anthony Tolliver played in when he was growing up along with some other former Pistons as well. So it was kind of a big deal to see you know, Ben Simmons play. He came over as a sophomore in high school to Mount Verde, played the second half of the season, helped the Florida prep school to a national championship, a high school national championship there. Did it again as a junior, came back and played in Springfield there. He had D'Angelo Russell of the Brooklyn Nets as a high school teammate a year ahead of Ben Simmons. So he went to Ohio State while Ben Simmons was still at Mount Verde. And I, so I, I got a taste of him as a young guy. He's kind of mature beyond his years in some ways. He's not the uh, the typical, you know, coddled American athlete who grew up uh, as a big deal and in the spotlight and thinking they were, you know, uh, maybe more important than they were, as we know a lot of our, our advanced athletes are sometimes growing up in this country a little bit more. But, you know, th- there was the the famous documentary where he talks about some of the things that were going on during his one season at LSU. He ended up going to LSU in part because his father played growing up with a a guy named David Patrick who ended up being an assistant coach at LSU and he was an assistant coach under Johnny Jones with the Tigers so Ben Simmons went there pretty much knowing that he was only going to be there for one year Um, so you know and now he's he's showing off what he why he was the number one pick and why he's easily was considered the number one pick in that year he's a he's a wizard offensively who can kind of do everything you want on that side of the court except for shoot from the outside. So it's going to be something that we'll watch as he develops over the years. But, you know, he, he had his way with Stanley Johnson during the game. He had his way with Reggie Jackson. Anthony Tolliver had a little bit more success late in the game defending Simmons. But by that time, it was a little bit too late. And I think it might have had to do some, some of that might have had to do with Simmons getting a little tired. As you could see, he was kind of giving up on plays a little bit early. Got a little bit sloppy with the ball late in the game as well as the Pistons turned up their defenses they were trying to get back into the game so really good performance from Ben Simmons and a guy that I don't really see you know assuming he stays injury free this year I don't see a scenario where he doesn't become rookie of the year unless Lonzo Ball has there's more good Lonzo Ball than bad Lonzo Ball or maybe Dennis Smith Jr. leads the the Mavs into the playoffs in a surprise in the Western Conference or something like that but the sure bet's going to be on Ben Simmons to win rookie of the year this year and a guy who was close to winning Rookie of the Year last year is that Joel Embiid, like I mentioned. Despite only playing 31 games, he had such good numbers 
in the limited minutes that he did play last season that he was considered for the Rookie of the Year award, despite it being his third season because he missed those first two years with injuries. So he went to Joel went to Can Joel went to Kansas for one year, and he slipped in the draft because of those injuries and had Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, and Jabari Parker get picked ahead of him. But they end up going to the 76ers, and it's kind of lived up to that reputation of injuries. Um, but he he stepped up, like I said, last year when he played, and so far this season. And on the court Monday night at Little Caesars Arena against the Pistons, he had 30 points and 9 rebounds in just 20, 28 minutes that tied the season high he's had so far. In the preseason, they were talking about possibly only playing him 20 minutes a game this year. But Coach Brent Brown, I think wisely, they're playing him more and possibly going to be sitting him out for entire games you know, periodically throughout the season to make sure he can be as healthy as you can possibly get a guy as a coaching staff. He sat out Saturday night's game in Toronto. Philly's third game of the year, and then came back for the fourth game of the year on Monday night against Detroit. The 76ers started 0-3 this year, but it's been a tough schedule. Before the win on Monday night against Detroit, they had losses to Washington, Boston, and Toronto, and everyone, you know, kind of believes that those are three of the teams that are the top, three of the top teams in the East in that upper echelon of Eastern Conference teams that sh that'll all go to the playoffs. So don't be fooled into thinking that this is Quite a brutal start for Philly, despite the three losses to start the year. As we saw tonight, Joel Embiid, he can, he can do it all. And if all goes according to plan and he can stay as injury-free as possible throughout his, his career, he should play in multiple All-Star games. And very well soon could be considered one of the top three three or four players in the NBA. So it's a, it's a team and there are a couple players that you need to kind of watch out for as the, the 76ers roll on. If things go according to plan from here on out, the 76ers might be a team that could be controlling the Eastern Conference shortly after LeBron James leaves, if that is the case that he does leave the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. It remains to be seen, but you know Boston's probably the, the next in line of a team that would be the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. But we might be a couple years away from Philadelphia going to the NBA Finals and Joel Embiid becoming a household name. So, you know, obviously... Anyone who's even a casual basketball fan knows about Joel Embiid at this point, but if you're not, you need to to watch as many Sixers games as you can and, and digest some of the, those games when you get a chance. Uh, they got other players. They got they drafted Markel Fultz first this year after making the trade with Boston. He hasn't shown a lot so far quite yet. Even in Monday's game, we were there and watching, and just there wasn't a whole lot to see from him. He made a nice defensive play. Uh, found a guy, found a cutter for a nice play as well. So there's there's small flashes, but not what you'd quite expect from the number one pick, especially seeing what Lonzo Ball's done in, in his first week as an LA Laker. So remains to be seen on Fultz. And Dario Saric, he was himself up for Rookie of the Year last year as well after Philadelphia's season had already gone in the toilet. He kind of rose up at the end of last year. I saw I covered one of the games that he played against the Chicago Bulls last year, and it was during a stretch where he was scoring over 15 points a game and in multiple straight games. So he has the ability to be a pretty good third scorer. They added J.J. Redick in the offseason, a one-year, $20-plus million contract. So he's still on a contract year for the second straight year and looking to be a veteran to lead a young team going forward. It's a team that's going to be a tough out every single night. They're, they can beat anyone on any given night if it's one of those games that Embiid's playing. You know, it's sure that Simmons will surely have some tough games throughout the years, throughout the year, especially if he goes up against a certain type of defender, which is someone that Detroit doesn't really have right now. So 
there will be times and, and, you know, these guys are all injury prone, especially young in their careers. So I do have them as a playoff team. Um, I think they're going to be competing with the Pistons for one of those last spots in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, it's just a team that you have to keep an eye on throughout the years. And uh, it's actually a fun team to watch, too. So, you know, it's if you're a league pass person or someone who's looking for some reasons to get back into the NBA, as the Pistons haven't given you many of those reasons for the past seven, eight years, it's really a good team to keep an eye on. But of course, this is the Detroit Pistons podcast, so I want to talk more about the Motor City guys as a tough loss, probably their worst game of the year. Um, they fell ahead, they fell behind very early on in the first quarter, as they have for pretty much every game so far this year. They can't keep doing that, and obviously they've got to figure out something, whether it's a change in the starting lineup or you know some different ways of going about attacking early in the game. Obviously, the lack of a home crowd. Uh, hurt in that regard and will should continue to be a problem as there's no reason to believe that fans are suddenly going to be pouring into downtown Detroit to be watching the team, especially if they struggle a little bit like they did on Monday night. Stanley Johnson, you know, has started every game this year so far at the small forward position. He's been uh, a starter in all four games and he's really struggled. Uh, Charlotte Hornets uh, first game of the year, he went 0 for 13 from the field. He had a what, I, what, what some around, you know, Vince Ellis of the Free Press and Duncan Smith of PistonPower.com, who used to host this podcast, kind of been on Twitter going on and on about how good he was defensively in that first game against the Charlotte Hornets. And certainly he was good. And certainly he made some standout plays down the stretch that, you know, kind of get amplified as you think about what happened in a game. Sometimes you think about those couple of plays in the fourth quarter, as you should in, in some ways, because that's what winning time is. But still, I think that. It's a little bit exaggerated how well how well he played defensively in that first game. There were times when he really wasn't making that much of an impact, and you know Kemba Walker was still kind of doing whatever he wanted for the most part. And it wasn't always against Stanley Johnson, but there wasn't a whole lot of you know great guard play from the Hornets otherwise or wing play from the Hornets that you need to watch out for. So I think it's a little bit overblown in some corners of the internet about how good he was defensively in that first game. Certainly the Washington comeback he had a big part in, scored a little bit there and played well defensively, but he was just I don't know if there's something injury injury wise that might be wrong with Stanley Johnson or something off the court or something with Stan Van Gundy. But there was obviously some sort of problem with him tonight other than, you know, the lack of scoring. I mean, he missed his one shot. He played in like 17 minutes and uh, didn't perform at all. Didn't post a single stat. Uh, he got abused by Ben Simmons early. And again, when you're, when you're a good defender like Stanley Johnson is, the second best perimeter defender for the Pistons behind Avery Bradley, you're, the problem with that is you're going to be going up against good offensive players. So, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get tough assignments. And really, it's a tough position for Stanley Johnson because Ben Simmons, when he's got things going, is really kind of unguardable. He's a long point guard. And, you know, when the Pistons at the last ditch effort after he kept abusing him threw out a four, Anthony Tolliver to try to defend him. And he had a little bit of success. But, you know, it, it's a tough position for Stanley Johnson. So we can't kill him too much about that but just the lack of you know really getting anything going offensively I haven't seen much from him in three years as far as like reasons to believe that he's going to become a competent offensive player so there's 
there's a lot of athleticism there. Obviously, there's a little, there's a, some good signs on defense, but I hate to sound like a broken record, but we're going to need to start to see some production from Stanley Johnson in a lot of different ways if we're going to start thinking about extending him in this offseason or else, you know, then, but if you, but even if you don't want to see him on the court, you got to start hoping he builds up his value on the trade market somewhat going in the offseason. But he could be a, a candidate to be moved in the offseason as, as maybe packaged with another, you know, a Boban or another bad contract like Ish Smith or something like that. Not that Ish Smith is not valuable. He's certainly valuable to the Pistons, but you're going to have to clear out some, some salary cap room if you want to make a run at keeping Avery Bradley around long term. As I mentioned earlier, Tobias Harris, he had his worst game of the season. He was off uh, in pretty much all respects. He didn't score a lot. I think he was about five of, uh, let me check, I think five of 16 from the field. Uh, Yeah, five of 16, including one of six from three-point land. He's a good three-point shooter, don't get me wrong, but sometimes you fall in love with some of your your good early season performances. He's got to, I think he's got to go try to take it to the basket a little bit more. He's settling for his jump shot a little more. And, the, and one of the things, other things I wanted to mention is Langston Galloway. He was kind of maybe one of the lone bright spots tonight for the Pistons. He only played 13 minutes, which I thought was kind of a mystery. I'd like to see Galloway be one of the first guys off the bench and not get into the game when it's already double digits late in the second quarter. I didn't quite understand that. I think Galloway's done enough early on, and he's a veteran. He was in his fourth year. He picked up a good contract from Stan Van Gundy, the executive, so I don't know why the message hasn't gotten through to Stan Van Gundy, the coach, that he should maybe be out there a little bit more early on in the game. Guys like Luke Kennard will continue to prove themselves and continue to earn minutes, but I think that Galloway's kind of earned the right to be coming out there a little bit earlier as either the backup two, the backup three, or the backup one. He's got the size and the versatility to do all of those things, and I think he should be able to show it a little bit more and a little bit more often. Another you know, Bobon's inactive again. Henry Ellenson did not play, although he was dressed. We got Reggie Bullock coming back from suspension after another law after another his fifth of the five game suspension. So a lot to juggle as the rotation goes. We'll we'll continue to talk about the rotation as the year goes on, but I don't want to bore you into minutes talk throughout the season as we go on here. But just a lot to digest. I mean it's like we say, it's a long season. I mean, you can take a lot of positives from that Washington loss. but And then you had the two victories. But this is the first game that's been kind of a tough one to swallow because not only was there another lack of crowd at the home for the home team in downtown Detroit, and as we'll get in a lot more tomorrow on the podcast, but it was just a tough night for Pistons fans. And it was nice to get down there and nice to see the new arena. And like I said, a lot more thoughts on that tomorrow night or on tomorrow's podcast. But um, just uh, some soul searching to be done. It's it, again, we're talking about a team that just played three games in four days with a tough trip out east, and uh, it's a team with a lot of guys still trying to get comfortable this season, still trying to find their roles. I liked a little bit of what Reggie Jackson did throughout the game. Andre Drummond had his moments of, uh, you know, he was he was tough inside. He got abused by Joel and Joel Embiid at times, but then. In the second half, Drummond was was a little bit crafty with a couple of steals. He ended up with four steals on the game. He rebounded well, as he pretty much always does. But he had the five fouls, which which had to get him out of the game. A couple of them were pretty clumsy, as we're kind of used to seeing from Dre over the years. 14 points and 14 boards, another double-double, as we're accustomed to seeing. Avery Bradley uh, helped a lot with the comeback. 
but just not enough for the Pistons tonight and a disappointing loss, especially for me as I uh, came back home to see that one and was excited to see the Pistons against one of the young up-and-coming teams in the East. But it was not meant to be. But we'll have we got a big game coming up on Wednesday night at home against Minnesota for before a trip out west this weekend, taking on the Clippers on Saturday, the NBA champion Warriors on Sunday, and then back to Staples Center in L.A. for the Lakers and Lonzo Ball on Tuesday night. So some entertaining games coming up. And the good news is that when they get home from that West Coast swing, that there's a nice stretch of pretty manageable schedule, some pretty easy games for the Pistons. So got to tread water for these next four games, including Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and my Andrew Wiggins and the the Timberwolves on Wednesday. But we're going to talk practice facility, Little Caesars Arena on Wednesday's pod, and then we'll have plenty to talk about from Wednesday night's game on Thursday. And then reach out to me and let me know what you want to hear from Lockdown Pistons throughout the season. And again, I want to thank everyone for listening. Spread the word and continue to stay with me throughout the season. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.